Today on Roll for Insight, I'm sitting down with Elephant Bear, a DM and animation extraordinaire. We talk about Dungeons and Dragons horror stories, sci-fi D&D, the stresses of DMing, as well as Adventurers League. All that today on Roll for Insight. So, we'll ask this again. We've already been talking before this, of course. But, I'll ask again for the audience, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you, Chris. Of course. So And yourself? I'm doing very, very well. So, you currently have a YouTube channel where you talk about Dungeons & Dragons, specifically your campaign. And I was curious, you have a sci-fi campaign specifically. When you compare running sci-fi to running fantasy, like what do you see as the comparison? Which one do you prefer? If it's a tricky question, I would prefer running sci-fi um, purely because, uh, I, I'll be honest, I'm more of that kind of nerd. But in my head, there's so many more tropes about um fantasy dungeon dragons oh you you walk into a, a kobold dungeon oh i my players automatically know everything that's going to happen in that dungeon because they know what kobolds are they know what the uh dungeons are like they know the traps uh whereas if they're in space and they oh you come across an alien spaceship of a species you've never met before now suddenly we're in a, a murky waters because they don't know what's coming so when you're developing these alien races, because I was recently listening to a lecture about making fantasy and alien races. It's something that takes a lot of writing to make them not only realistic and believable, but also fun. It's a balance. So which one do you see as the driving force? Do you prefer making them just fun or do you try to strive for that sort of believability in their society? Well, so far, luckily enough, my players haven't spent um, egregious amounts of time uh, with any one particular race that I've had to then uh, quickly back up and flesh up. Um, so it's, I would say I prefer leaning towards the fun side of um, that spectrum. But uh, a lot of the races that I, I say a lot, uh, most of the races I use are from the um, Mage Hand Press uh, Dark Matter book. Uh, in my game, there's, they've met, say, 50-50, but a lot of the races I've introduced have been low-tech worlds where they visited when you're developing these worlds, do you prefer that kind of low-tech atmosphere? Or do you prefer an alien race who's introduced a lot of new, interesting laser guns? <laughs> uh, I do prefer uh, an, a, uh, an interesting race that's got a lot of laser guns. Um, the low-tech worlds, though, are easy to just um, throw in. Because, you know, uh, like in Star Trek episodes, it's just a one and done. They're very unlikely to be re revisiting this these worlds. So you can just do crazy things with it. So when you're world building, it's secondary to the primary adventure that you're crafting <clears throat> all the time. Yes. Yeah. Mainly. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't like to prepare too far ahead of my players. 
because I feel that way is uh, down the railroad path. Oh, yeah. So I, I personally am only about one or maybe two sessions ahead of where they are, depending on how much um, they, I don't want to say dither, how much they explore uh, in, the, in the one location. So I don't like to um, say, all right, okay, and they're going to get to here, then this person's going to send them there, and then this person's going to send them there. Because then that's also a case of uh, they don't get to play their way. I read, um, I, I think it was a Sly Flourish, Sly Flourish tip. Uh, I don't know if you follow them on Twitter. It was, um, as a dungeon master, your job isn't to write the story. It's to write the skeleton of the story and then let your players write it. Yeah, I was watching a Ginny D video on uh, bad DM traits. I saw that one of the tips that she recommended is that DMs let go of that feeling of control because mm. in the end, I mean, the narrative should belong to the players. And uh, the ultimate form of letting go of control is allowing your game to be that open world experience. Mm. And it seems that you let your players go to a lot of different places. How do you balance that with the preparation of DMing? Like if they go somewhere out of the way, somewhere you didn't expect. Uh, how do you manage to give a compelling adventure on the floor? That was one of the reasons I wanted them to be part of um, uh, an organization like the United Coalition of Planets in my universe or Star Trek, if you're not familiar with my work, um, just because that gives them initially more direction rather than just being, all right, you're four people on a space station. Uh, you're approached by a mysterious figure. What do you do? Uh, now they've got um, missions coming in. They've got an organization structure. They've got, um, which also, again, immediate world building. Yeah, world building is a big part of fantasy, big part of mm. sci-fi. And when you're creating those organizations for your players to be a part of, a lot of people uh, will resist being part of an organization. Like, for example, I've allowed or tried to allow my players to join up with various factions and they almost always say no. Do you find that your players resist trying to follow the uh, United Coalition of Planets and their directive? Or do, are they happy to just go along with what they're trying to do? A uh, mix of both. I have uh, a few of my players are quite happy to uh, be part of the Coalition of Planets. And uh, one of my players in particular, um, Kassil, the uh, the Simeon uh, race, uh, is definitely uh, dragging his heels on uh, being part of the uh, <laughs> United Coalition of Planets. It's one of those, um, this is where the story is going. I don't want to railroad you. But um, all your friends and family in game are telling you, your character, maybe you should give this a look. Maybe you should do this. So, yeah, when you're trying to get a player to do something, how do you incentivize that? Is it a reward? Do you talk to them outside the game? I, I'm always asking my players for feedback at the end of every session. And uh, most of the time it's just, no, it was fun. It was fine. I don't know what you want me to do with you. Um, as a character, because uh, um, I'm a very player-driven DM, so um, I like to have my character's backstories and weave my story around that rather than have my back and my story and then weave my characters around that. Um, so I feel that way it, the players are more invested in what's going on if it's directly tied to their characters 
Um, so with getting, it's again, it's a fine line between railroading and invent incentivizing your players to do what you want. Um, so uh, I have um, <laughs> loved ones who are quite often in peril. I have um, re rewards dangled tantalizingly ahead uh, for players who like uh, achievements and advancements. Uh, it's really about knowing your players and knowing what drives them more than uh, the characters uh, sometimes. Before we end off the D&D &D talking points part, when mm -hmm. you're playing D&D, &D, do you have any practical advice for other DM stuff about like preparation, uh, in-game stuff, just practical things for DM to incorporate into their games? Um, this comes back to um, what kind of game you play, uh, module or homebrew. With module, absolutely do more than read the module five minutes before the start of the session because um, uh, I've played with DMs like that and it was through no fault of their own they were just um, they had like four or five other games that week to run and they just didn't have the time but it showed right um, so uh, don't try and overtax yourself as a DM know what your capabilities are um, and make sure you read the module um whereas with homebrew don't overthink it right. it's it's especially with homebrew over module is uh where the players take it rather than where the story goes so when you're homebrewing stuff you recommend people don't kind of like overextend themselves like keep it grounded it, in the sessions you're running yeah it's coming back to uh again lord of the rings uh don't write the cimmerillion before you have the hobbits leaving the shire right absolutely so we've kind of touched on a couple things that good dms do and some things mm -hmm. that bad dms do so obviously both of us have looked at rpg horror stories so mm -hmm. When you're looking at bad DM traits, traits on RPG horror stories, other than the ones that are just like bad people traits, like being yeah. racist or something. That's a lot of it, though, I'll be honest, oh, yeah. on RPG horror stories. Some of them get crazy bad. When you're looking at D&D &D traits specifically, what do you think is the worst? Uh, for DMs or for players? Ooh, DMs first. DMs first, um, like I said, uh, ill-prepared um, because, again, I don't want to mention any names, but he was running Dungeon of the Mad Mage. So, yeah. So we, uh, we were like, oh, we go into the next room. What happens? He's like, okay, give me a minute. He had his fingers in like five pages and he was just flicking backwards and forwards between all of them which Dungeons and Mad Mage is, uh, if you don't know, is a big mega dungeon. And it's not, there's so much information there. There's not the sort of thing you can just pick up five minutes before the session and be ready. What about for players? What do you think is the worst trait that players embody in their game? I don't want to say lack of appreciation, but your DM, if 
they've <laughs> they've probably been watching the videos, reading the tutorials. They've probably put a lot of work into the game, and it's it's one thing to say, "Oh, that was fun. I enjoyed that." But it's another to have them be at the table and then like not really be at the table mentally, like they've checked out, and like so it goes round and then. 30 minutes later you're like oh I, I should include them in some way to bring them back into it and they go oh what's going on i'm sorry i haven't been oh. following um you want as a dm you want your players to make these connections themselves to take stuff away from your world and when they go oh i'm sorry what's happening and then you have to just bullet point it back to them you're kind of like then at that point feeding them breadcrumbs and like oh i want you to know this yeah, like because you're thing, just telling them the important bits. Yeah, because one thing I was always uncomfortable with is like telling my players, "Here's your options." Like they, because they don't have any yeah. idea. Like, oh, you could do this, or you could do this, and I have the self awareness to be aware that that's not railroading, but it's like getting there, right? Like you're telling yeah. your players straight up, "Hey, this is what you should be doing." <laughs> Thing, the other way that works is uh, when my players go, oh, well, I guess we have to do this. And I'm I, I'm sitting there going, well, I want them to do that, but I don't want to, to feel that they have to do it. So I'm, uh, then I give them other options. Like, well, you could do it this way. You could do it that way. Yeah, like I just gave my players five legendary weapons to, to chase. And mm. one of them is in the possession of an uber powerful blue dragon that one they're going after last they could hmm. go after it first if they wanted to uh, could have a heist adventure where they steal it off his finger like uh, the mm. Fro not frodo but bilbo going in to get the arkenstone i think this only happened in the movie but uh doing that for the dragon in my campaign instead but they chose hey let's go after the four other weapons first and then we fight the dragon like all out fight, no heist, which <laughs> I, I like. Yeah, that's but, um, always the player mentality as well. Is um, if we do the hardest one last, not only will we have the uh, better equipment at that point, we'll also have leveled up and have better experience and better uh, abilities to use against it. I do prefer a bit of hamstringing, though. I do prefer making my players think on their feet with what they have. Because um, Dungeons and Dragons isn't just a multiple choice test. It oh. really is. Uh, you can do anything. So when you're trying to offer those players those options, I mean, you're really trying to avoid those railroading stories. Mm. Yeah, because those suck. Especially if you both play the game and DM, because you're just painfully aware of how bad it could be. Yeah, my... Um... Cut. One of my first homebrew campaigns I tried to do was um, uh, a sneaky time travel. So they were just being teleported about and uh, they were meant to then piece together that they were being teleported through time as well as through space. But it was a difficult thing to get away with without it just being railroad because you're like, oh, now I'm taking you and I'm putting you here. Oh, now I'm taking you again and I'm putting you here. Right, and there was no chance for them to do their own thing. Have as you it ever were. played in a railroaded campaign? It's uh, 
I would argue that any uh, like Adventurers League uh, or any module is a bit of a railroaded campaign, especially some of the more early uh, 5e books, which I have played uh, some of. Um, but I wouldn't say uh, any of uh, my friends' homebrews have been. My DM time versus player time is 50-50 because it's just me and my uh, friend who take turns so he takes Monday nights, I take Thursday nights, and then Friday's Adventurers League, so it's a toss-up. So when you're playing Adventurers League games, I've heard things about Adventurers League. Could you like pitch it to me? Give me the pitch. What is Adventurers League? Adventurers League is the um, official uh, Dungeons & Dragons Knights. Um, the rules um, are a bit more concrete obviously homebrew you there's always a chance the dm can go you know what no that was a fantastic line your fireball spell does 10 d6 now rather than 8 d6 whereas um with adventurers league it's um much more right these are the rules as written uh you have to obey them um but it's also a fantastic way if you want to get to learn Dungeons and Dragons, and you don't have uh, happen to have six friends who also want to get to learn Dungeons and Dragons. You can just go along by yourself or with one or two of your friends and learn the system, basically, because there, there's always a, a, a spare dungeon master. I won't say always, that's a bit of an overreach, but there's a dungeon master there willing to teach. Um, at the moment, because obviously the pandemic, everything's moved uh, to uh, online, we use Roll20, the program. Um, which, again, wasn't the easiest for uh, a lot of uh, people to pick up. Um, but Dungeons & Dragons survives. Yeah, of course. So um, have you ever had a bad experience at Adventures League, whether it be a DM running or a player who joined in? Because, I mean, it's kind of hard to refuse someone when they get there. I've had... Uh, that's the issue with RPG horror stories. You hear RPG horror stories and they're mainly about adventurers league because you're playing with strangers and you, it starts to paint the p picture that that's all adventurers league is. And it's just such a small percentage, mm -hmm. but because obviously those are the funniest story, or sometimes they're not funny, but those are the most interesting stories. Those are the ones that keep getting retold um, rather than, uh, Oh, we played through, uh, water deep dragon heist and uh it was amazing so when you're reading rpg horror stories have you noticed that those kind of negative things really stick out i mean when you look on youtube the most popular D, &D narrations are often the bad ones right yeah absolutely um it's i mean it's not something you take personally because you know uh, what your strengths are and your weaknesses are as a dm and like we mentioned earlier, a lot of it isn't even about the people's D&D &D abilities. It's just about them as a person and uh, favoritism or sexism or racism yeah. or something. Um, so it's one of those. I know I wouldn't stand for that in any of my games. It's. With my homebrew stuff, I do a session zero, session zero, and I highly recommend session zeros to anyone. Um, 
Mm. So, to <clears throat> so get I back, take it from your response there that you don't play Adventures League. I haven't. I've tried, but there's not a place around in my area where I can mm. just easily pop in to Adventures League. I actually haven't played D and D in three years, so uh, it's been kind of hard finding games. I used to play with my WoW guild, but you know we fell out. And by the way, can we both agree? The real RPG horror story is getting like four to five people at, around your table at the same time. It can be really difficult. This, uh, me, my friends and I, the way we've coped is um, we just have days of the week. It's like Monday, Dungeon Dragons, Thursday, Dungeon Dragons. That's it. If you can't, it's not a case of asking you if you can make it. It's a case of you telling us if you can't. When you're scheduling, do you have like a scheduling? This isn't like to shag anyone, like things happen. Mm. But do you have like a scheduling pet peeve? For me, it's just saying like, I am busy for two hours. Like two hours from when <laughs> to when? Like that's mine. My, my pet peeve, it would be um, 15 minutes after you're meant to start getting the message, gonna be late. Oh, you're already late. How late? What are you talking about? <laughs> We already know you're going to be late because you are late. Yeah, right now. Do you have any just general D&D pet peeves? Not necessarily RPG horror stories levels. Not knowing your own character Oh yeah. would be uh, one of my pet peeves. Because uh, I've seen games just uh, making good speed and then suddenly they'd come to a standstill because someone's um, like, oh. No, I know I had this ability, or did it? Was it a spell, or was it a, a something? I, let me just let me just look in the rule book. Let me just look in this character sheet. Absolutely. Okay, it, it wouldn't be too bad, but you're a fighter. Come on. I was going to say not being able to keep track of your health and your AC. Like, oh, mm. where was I again? Am I down? Hmm. As a DM, I like to keep track of all my players' ACs, armor class, um, just because, again, I feel it breaks flow if I say, oh, I rolled uh, an 18. Does that? It's much smoother a game if I say, oh, and he hits you, or oh, and he just wins wide. So when you're running, you tend to have your characters, the characters in your party, uh, right there mm. in front of you, so yep. you just reference. Yeah, I have. Um, I like to have a cheat sheet almost uh, on the back of my DM screen with uh, characters uh, starting HP because don't try and keep track of their HP the entire game. That, that that's the way madness lies. Um, the dexterity modifiers uh, for saving throws and the like. O only if I'm know specifically oh they've got um a dragon fight coming up say dragon's breath is a deck saving throw keep a track of everyone's deck saves to know who's going to be in the most trouble um i won't say i uh, avoid people i know are going to be put in immediate danger because i like threat i i like the threat of the game but i will say i do try and keep it fair right so but i don't pummel before... someone who's who's already down uh, do you have any like last advice for DMs, players? Doesn't matter. Know your character. Know your world. Because then no matter what happens, no matter what 
situation arises, you should know what your person will do at any one time. If your players uh, go, oh, I walk into a, a blacksmithy, you don't need to have planned out the entire map of the city and know where what everything is, but you should have a few names written down just to be on the safe side. And you should know, okay, this is going to be a dwarf. Let's uh, let's give my dwarf an interesting characteristic and just leave it at that. So do you have any projects you'd like to announce before we wrap it up? I'm, I've got a couple of new... Um, Play, uh, I was going to say playlist, that's not the right word. Uh, I've got a couple of new series I'm going to tr be trialling out. But uh, obviously, since it's animation, uh, trialling out means coming eventually. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, just side note, definitely subscribe to this guy. He uh, puts way more effort into his videos than I have in the past, like, three months. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and, and speaking to Thanks me. Thanks for having me. You could take out all of my ums and ahs so I sound articulate that I'd appreciate it. <laughs> I will try my best. But mm. yeah, uh, today, thank you for coming. If you guys enjoyed today's episode of Roll for Insight, then please do leave a like. If you survived this entire video on YouTube, guess what? You didn't have to because it's also going to be on Spotify. So you can check it out there instead and listen to this again in a more data-friendly manner. Subscribe to Crispy's Tavern on YouTube, follow on whatever podcast platform you're on, comment down below if you can, and until next time, farewell.